Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week we have a conversation with Dr. Don Whitney on the topic of spiritual disciplines. What are they? And what discipline is lacking most in Christianity today? I think if it were within my power to change the devotional life of every Christian on the planet, it would be in terms of meditation on Scripture. And here's why. Even our most devoted daily Bible readers need it. People who read the Bible every day, but they close their Bible, and as soon as they close their Bible, most days, most Christians, it seems, would have to admit, you know, I don't remember a thing I read. Hey, my name is Isaac, host of In Doubt. In Doubt exists to bring the gospel to the relevant issues of life and faith that we experience every day, cultivating conversation. By the way, most of you know that, you know, obviously iTunes is the leader when it comes to podcasting. And In Doubt is not just on the radio, but we are online through podcasts. That's actually where we started. So if you're an iTunes podcast listener, it would be awesome and mean a lot to us if you would rate and review the show. You know, I can't promise you any gifts or prizes for doing that, but what I can say is that more ratings and reviews mean there's a better and higher chance of people listening. Super easy to rate and review. Simply just go to iTunes, find the podcast by searching in doubt, click ratings and reviews underneath the title and just fill it in. Again, it would mean a lot, so I thank you in advance for doing that. This week is all about spiritual disciplines, um, an oxymoron for some. Uh, I would think lots of people don't mind and even appreciate the word spiritual. You know, we see this all over our culture, but discipline, not so much. You know, we generally think of legalism or hard work or something like that when we think of discipline. But in all honesty, discipline is what makes greatness, right? Any athlete or artist or a specialized person in anything would say that. So. When we speak of spiritual disciplines, we're talking about the things we do to help grow our spirituality. Now, that sounds, you know, super vague and ambiguous, uh, and the term by itself is, but connected to the Bible and Orthodox Christianity, spiritual disciplines are specific and extremely helpful. To chat with me about this is author and professor from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Don Whitney. He's written a book about the spiritual discipline, so he's done some research and study and reflection on this very thing. So here's my conversation with Don Whitney. With me today is Don Whitney. Don is the professor of biblical spirituality and associate dean at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's written quite a few books, some of which I've I've read and have really enjoyed, uh, Praying the Bible, Family Worship, probably your smallest ones. But anyways, um, thanks for chatting with me today, Don. Yeah, Isaac's good to be with you. Um, But it also says, Don, and I wanted to say this, that your hobby is restoring and using old fountain pens. So I wanted to ask, what's that about? Yeah, well, since high school, I have uh, enjoyed pens. Okay. And um, so uh, I got into fountain pens fairly early when I first started college, and but they were just uh, $3 cartridge pens on a blister pack, but I I kind of got hooked on them. And so uh, I really enjoy using them. I am a writer after all, too. So I've always enjoyed using pens. And uh, the vintage pens, the older ones, I really like a lot. And so I have a bunch (laughs) from the teens, the 20s, the 30s, and I'm able to restore uh, some of them if they're simple enough. So that is awesome. I love that. Do you have like a sort of a case with some of your most precious ones? Or yeah, I do, and I don't collect pens to have a collection. It's hard for me to imagine getting a pen that (laughs) uh, 
that I wouldn't use. Right. But uh, yeah, I have uh, I have that because people know I, I like pens. So they you know occasionally they'll give me one, or my wife gives me one for a special occasion. And over the decades, you know, I've I've, I've have a few, and so I will put those in a in a case. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Well, well, anyways. Um, if listeners haven't heard of you, all they know is that you are a professor and that you like fountain pens. So I, I would like to ask, who are you? Um, maybe how you met Jesus and sort of your snapshot of what day-to-day life looks like uh, today. Yeah, I grew up in a little county seat town in northeast Arkansas, and uh, I was brought to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night my whole life, uh, uh, since nine months before I was born, actually. And so when I was nine years old, though, we had a series of meetings in our church, and though I'd heard the gospel many times, it was uh, on a Thursday night during those series of meetings that the Lord uh, uh, brought me under conviction. And mm. and I came home that night. My mother was putting me in bed and saw that I was troubled and brought my dad in. He explained the gospel again. So wow. there was a nine-year-old boy uh, in my bedroom. I repented and believed in Christ. And wow. so I uh, was, you know, in this uh, Bible teaching church. And so the Lord kept me kept me pretty close. And at that, I went to college in a year of law school. It was there. The Lord confirmed a call to uh, preach. And so I went from there to uh, seminary, and after seminary, went into pastoral ministry, and from there into uh, my current uh, position, where I am professor of biblical spirituality at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. That's awesome. And and what is a professor of biblical spirituality? What is that uh, kind of, I guess, idea? Yeah, well, every seminary is going to have a required class of some sort in spirituality, Okay. But here, here at Southern, we have a whole professorship. We have a, a, a program. You can, you can major, so to speak, in your Master of Divinity degree. You can get a major in Biblical Spirituality. Interesting. And, and uh, I think we're the only seminary on the planet where you can get all four levels of, of graduate degrees, a Master of Divinity, a Doctor of Ministry, or THM, a Master, uh, a Master of Theology, then Doctor of Ministry, or a PhD in something called Spirituality, and I, I'm in charge of that. So Okay, that's awesome. I love that. Now, uh, Don, the topic of our conversation is sort of revolves around uh, a book you wrote uh, back in the early 90s, I think 1991, um, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Um, so firstly, what, what is the main idea of the book, and why, why did you write it? Yeah, and I want to call your listeners' attention, too. That was revised and updated in 2014. There you go. Okay, good. <laughs> but uh, the main idea of the book is it's based on 1 Timothy 4.7, which says, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Hmm. And uh, Hebrews 12.14 says that uh, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And that's... If you're not pursuing holiness, that indicates you don't know the Lord in the first place. So mm. the great the great question then is, how do we pursue the holiness without which no one will see the Lord? How, by grace through faith in Christ alone, will those made right with God pursue the holiness right. uh, that is characteristic of those who know the Lord? And so the answer is in 1 Timothy 4, 7, you discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So mm. it, it is not, as Paul said, it's not as though we've begun by the spirit or we're going to be perfected by the flesh. No, we're given both the desire and the power to pursue godliness, but the way that works out in everyday life, the way we obey that biblical command to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness is is historically been called the the biblical spiritual discipline. So Mm. uh, I wanted uh, to write that. There was another book or two uh, already well known in that line, but I, I thought that I was coming from a, a, 
uh, more of a, a biblical and an evangelical perspective okay. in, in my book. And so um, uh, that's why I wrote it. That's yeah. what it's about. So m- many have heard the I- idea of spiritual disciplines, or as you just said, biblical spiritual disciplines. Um, if they've been around church for a while, they've kind of heard that. Um, but for those unfamiliar and those who have heard it but are still not quite sure, what exactly is a biblical spiritual discipline and, and what are they for? Well, these are the, the practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth. Okay. Uh, and promote, you know, it's a simple way of, of putting right. it. Okay. Uh, people who have come to Christ, the way they grow in Christ uh, in, in a, in a in planned and intentional way is generally through the spiritual disciplines. Now, these disciplines, people tend to think of them only in terms of the, the personal. When we think of spirituality today, it's almost the, the image that comes to people's minds is almost invariably that of individual right, spirituality. Right. So there are personal spiritual disciplines, and that's mostly what my Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life book is about. Right. But there are equally important congregational or interpersonal spiritual mm-hmm. disciplines, those you practice with other Christians. Right. And so that's that's why I wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines Within the Church. So, for example, Interesting. We're, to, okay. we're, to, we're to get into the Word of God individually. That's a personal spiritual discipline. Okay. But we're also to get into the Word of God with the church. That's an interpersonal spiritual discipline. We're to pray alone. We're also to pray with the church. So the mm. spiritual disciplines are both a personal and interpersonal. I could I could, uh, you know, parse them out a little bit more in terms of, uh, you know, their activities. They're not right. attitudes. Uh, they are uh, derived from the gospel. They're not, you know, divorced from the gospel in the sense of, okay, here's the gospel. Now let's go into some real meaty stuff, the right. spiritual disciplines. Right, right, right. Uh, and, and so forth. But, uh, and, and they are means, they're not ends. You're not godly simply because you practice the disciplines. Right. right. It's not mechanical like that. That was the era of the Pharisees. Right. They thought they were godly because they, you know, there's the Pharisee prayed, Lord, I thank you, I'm not as other men. I fast twice a week, right, you know, I pray right. at time. And they were the epitome of ungodliness. Mm. But it's not as though we become godly just by being passive. Mm. So we are to practice the spiritual disciplines for the purpose of godliness, but with the right right motives. Right, exactly. And that kind of leads into this next point. You know, some some may think that because Christianity is different than other religions in the sense that, you know, we don't work for our salvation, Christ has done that work for us. So some may think that spiritual disciplines, this idea of, you know, essentially these actions um, kind of goes against this. So I guess a question for you would be, you know, how can we, and maybe other young adults who have this idea, how can we understand spiritual disciplines as both a work and a, not just an attitude, but a, you know, a habit, you could say, on our part and God's work through us? Yeah, that's a very important question because uh, if, if you let me delve into some yeah. biblical and theological terms here, and, Go for and it. <laughs> when, it comes to justif- when it comes to justification, in other words, uh, a sinner being made right with God. Yeah. Uh, we use the term monergistic, mono, one, and, and the latter part of the word comes from a Greek word for working. There's one person working. Okay. When, when Jesus came into the tomb of Lazarus and made Lazarus alive, right. uh, Lazarus contributed nothing but the death from which he was raised. One person was working. That was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when he comes into the, 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 the sepulcher of our spiritual death, and, and he makes us alive. We call that regeneration. Okay. But once we're made alive in Christ, we, then from now until uh, we see the Lord, it's a process of sanctification, and that is becoming more like Christ, both right. inwardly and outwardly. And that, Isaac, is synergistic. We right. don't just passively ma- wait and allow Jesus to gradually make us more or suddenly make us more holy. We are to right. work 
with him in that. And so hmm. he gives us the desire and the power. And I, I point to the scripture here where we see this clearly in Colossians one twenty nine. Okay. Paul is talking about his his ministry right. of making people mature in Christ. And he says, For this, for this ministry, I toil, comma. Yeah. Right. Now, thus far, Paul is doing the toiling. He's right. doing the work. Right. But he goes on and says, For this I toil, comma, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Interesting. So at the end of the day, Paul was the one who was tired, not God. Right. But at the end of the day, Paul would say, You know, the fact that I wanted to do these things today for the glory of God and that I was able yeah. All glory goes to God. Yes. That's so, so Paul good. wasn't like a robot that, that the Holy Spirit just kind of moved around uh, you know, that way. It was by God's grace that Paul wanted to do what he did and was able to do it. That's where the grace comes in, but we have to actually live it out. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, would you say the same thing Paul's getting at in Philippians when he says, work out your own salvation, fear and trembling, knowing that it is God in you working this will for his pleasure? Right. We sometimes summarize that by saying, you know, we work out what God has worked in. He gives us He gives us the desire and the power. He gives us the affinity for these spiritual disciplines because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, now you hunger for the Word of God that you used to find boring or irrelevant. Right. You hunger for fellowship uh, with God's people, not just socializing, but really talk about God and the things of God. God gives you that desire, right. and God God gives you the power, but you have to open the pages of the Bible. Right. You have to make right. time for it. You have to be the one who, who shows up at church. Exactly. That's good. Now, we, we've talked, obviously, a little bit about spiritual disciplines now, and you've mentioned a few, but do you mind just giving us a little bit more, just kind of list them out? You don't have to go into detail, but what are some of these personal spiritual disciplines? Well, the two most important, the foundation on which all the others uh, come, is okay. the intake of the Word of God mm. and prayer. And in that order, for it's more important for us to hear from God than God to hear from us in prayer. So as important <laughs> as prayer is, it is second to the intake of the Word of God. And and I break that down into several forms uh, from the easiest to the more difficult, and that is hearing the Bible. Okay. First uh, Timothy 4.13 says, give attention to the public reading of Scripture. So we should hear the Bible That's read good. to the people of God. We're mm. to hear it. We're to read it ourselves. We're to study it. We are to memorize and I think the one most often left out today is meditate on Scripture and then apply the Bible. Right. All those I group under Bible intake, and okay. then 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 prayer. But then after that, that we worship is a spiritual discipline we have to be intentional about. Right. Uh, serving, evangelism, mm. fasting, uh, silence of solitude, a discipline of of godly learning. Right. Um, we can add journaling in there. These are the kinds of things that historically people have found as as biblical spiritual disciplines for the individual. Right. Right. And so when you when you wrote the book about the church, what 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 was included in that? Yeah. Well, first of all, it, it talks about uh, baptism. Okay. Uh, that's certainly, a, the, you know, go therefore make disciples of all nations, Jesus said in the Great Commission. First right. thing is then baptize them. Right. And then teach them. So baptism and church membership. Yeah. Then uh, the ordinances. Yeah. One of which is baptism, of course, but disciplining ourselves. Don't, you know, don't forsake the Lord's Supper. Mm. Uh, the preaching of the Word of God, getting yourself under a God-called 
a, a man who preaches and teaches the Word of God, right. worshiping God with his people. Right. Uh, you, you know, every Christian pretty much knows that the Bible says we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Right. But that's 1 Corinthians 6, but earlier, 1 Corinthians 3 and six other times, the New Testament says the church mm. is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's good. Yeah. And so gathering with God's people to experience those things that happen only in the temple. There are right. experiences with God that happen only in the temple at church. And so uh, we discipline ourselves not to forsake the assembling yes. of ourselves together. We worship and uh, we, we serve there. We, we evangelize with the church. We yeah. learn with the church, not just our own. And these are some of those things that we do with other Christians and right. grow in Christ. That's so good. Now, Don, myself and many listeners of In Doubt, we're, we're younger, 20s, 30s. Um, now, when you look at the North American evangelical Christian landscape today, and I, I imagine you have quite a few 20s, 30-year-olds in uh, seminary as well. But anyways, what spiritual discipline do you sort of see lacking kind of heavily amongst the North American church, amongst young young people? Well, on the congregational or interpersonal side, I would say it would be congregational worship. Mm. Um, that thinking spirituality or Christ likeness or Christianity is something I, I do on my own. And that's only part of the picture. And as I said, the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And their experiences with God you will get only at the temple. You can have the greatest devotional life in the history of the world, but their experiences with God and growth and grace you will not experience apart from the local church, worshiping with the local church and all that comes with that, experiencing what the Holy Spirit does for us and to us through the church. But on the individual side, I think if if it were within my power to change the devotional life of every Christian on the planet, it would be in terms of meditation. On scripture. Mm. And here's why. Even our most devoted daily Bible readers need it. Okay. People who read the Bible every day, maybe they read a chapter, three chapters every day, right. but they close their Bible. And as soon as they close their Bible, most days, right. most Christians, it seemed, would have to admit, you know, I don't remember a thing I read. Oh, it's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, that does very little good. That does some good. I wouldn't want people to abandon that. Right. But the, the problem is a lack of meditation on right. Scripture, thinking about what you read. And so if somebody only has 10 minutes, you know, I get that. Don't spend the whole 10 minutes reading. Read for five minutes and then select a verse or phrase and meditate on that for five minutes because it's far better to read less if necessary That's and good. remember something yeah. than to read more and remember nothing. Now, I'm kind of throwing this on you, but I think you can take it. Um this is a very spiritualized culture we're living in this postmodern era. Everyone seems to be spiritual, and the word meditation is used all the time. So when you say, you know, meditate, what exactly what exactly are you saying? Because I feel like there's, it's very subjective. A lot of people have different ideas on that. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And for starters, I want people to know that meditation is mentioned in the Bible. Uh, right. We're not borrowing something from the culture and bringing it to Christian spirituality. And Joshua 1.8 is a very important passage about meditating on the Word of God. Mm. Psalm 1 verse 2 talks about meditating on the Word of God in both places. It talks about meditating day and night. Wow. Well, how in the world can you do that? <laughs> well, you, if, you, if you meditate, and, and how can you do that and do everything else God wants you to do too? Right. Well, if you will take part of your Bible intake time and meditate on Scripture— you'll discover not only will you remember it as soon as you close your Bible, you'll be able to reflect on it 
bring it back to your memory all day long. You know, what was that verse? Oh, yeah. And as you're driving home, you can reflect on it again. You can pray over mm. that again. So I, in my book, Spiritual Disciplines, I actually have about 17 different methods of meditating on Scripture. And I want to mm. emphasize this meditation on the text of Scripture. So there's not, just, in other words, there's not just one way right, to do this. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's important. That's good. Now, Don, what would you say to the Christian who has this idea in their mind? You know, I don't have to engage the spiritual disciplines, but I always go to church. I, you know, I pay my tithes. I, you know, attend conferences and retreats. You know, throughout the year, I do all this stuff. I I can't do the spiritual disciplines because I'm just too busy. Yeah. Well, I, and I want to affirm what they are doing, but people tend to uh, gravitate in one of two directions. Okay. One, as we mentioned earlier, is the person who says, you know, I have a wonderful devotional time. I don't need that half-committed, ungodly group of people down at the church. I don't have time <laughs> for that anyway. Right, right. Uh, I, I could just take my spiritual disciplines and go off and be an evangelical monk, an evangelical nun, and I would be great. And no, they're missing what the Bible teaches about the interpersonal spiritual disciplines. Mm. But on the other extreme are those people who say, you know what, if I'm at church pretty much every time the doors are open, and if I profit from that as I do, I'm sure that somehow in the end that will compensate for the lack of a devotional life. Mm. No, it won't. Their experiences <laughs> with God, you will only get alone with God, mm. and their experiences with God, you will only get with, with His people. And so the Bible teaches both. We're all inclined a little more one way or the other, but the Bible teaches both. Okay, no, that's that's really good. Now, Don, as a kind of a final question, how can reflecting on the gospel specifically help motivate our you know often distracted hearts and minds to engage the spiritual disciplines? Because I, when I look around at some of my peers, myself, a lot of just kind of younger people in the evangelical church today, there just seems to be a just a lack of engaging the spiritual discipline. So, and I, I know that the gospel has to be the foundation of it all. So how, how can reflecting on the gospel help motivate us? Yeah, this is why I mentioned in, in the very first chapter of my book that, and, and I alluded to it a moment ago, that the spiritual disciplines are practices derived from the gospel. They're not divorced from the gospel. Right. And what that looks like is people who say, okay, I, I believe the gospel now I'm ready to go past the ABCs. I'm ready to go for the meat. I'm ready right. to go to the spiritual disciplines. <laughs> yeah. No, the spiritual disciplines only take us deeper into the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not away from it. So uh, to reflect on the gospel, first of all, I mean, you, you, you find the gospel in the Bible. Right. And you, you find the gospel in, in various nuances of it, in various aspects of it. In the Bible, I mean, we've already mentioned several, right? We've mentioned conviction. I said that very early. We mentioned right. regeneration. We mentioned faith. We mentioned justification. We mentioned sanctification. These are only half a dozen terms of the 20 or so that relate somehow to the gospel. Where do you find out about that? In the Bible. So right. if you reflect, and we're back to meditation again, you reflect on these things, that is something so powerful, it has the power to change your life, to change your day. So when you meditate on something that great and that glorious, mm. that rightly done will capture your heart and your mind and make you want to to go further, to go more. And that leads us 
to the spiritual disciplines. Right. That, that's good. Um, Don, maybe the last, the last thing before we end this conversation, um, is there a, a verse or just a portion of scripture um, about the gospel that you could almost give to us? Because, you know, many people are listening to this right now. You give to us for us to reflect just immediately because, uh, you know, people might be listening to this and they're like, oh, okay, I, I do want to apply what Don is saying here, but, you know, I, I'm in the car right now and I, I have to, you know, I can't do it right now. But is there anything you can kind of give us right now that we can begin this attitude of meditation on scripture, like, immediately? At the end of uh, Psalm 16, I believe it is, it says, at your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Mm. At your right hand, it says of God, there are pleasures uh, forever. So you make known to me, this is Psalm sixteen eleven. you make known to me the path of life. What is mm. that? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. And it's through him, we come into the presence of God. Jesus said, you know, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Right. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. To just even try to imagine the unlimited, unimaginable pleasures there are in the presence of God forever. And what is the path to that? It is the gospel. So this is what Jesus opens up to us. That's so good. Thank you so much, Don. Um, if you enjoyed today's conversation and are interested in Don's book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, which is updated in 2014, um, you can pick it up on Amazon, probably your best bet. Um, you can also head to biblicalspirituality.org, which has a host of resources from, from Don. But anyways, thank you so much, Don, and I hope to have you again on the show. You're very welcome, Isaac. That was Don Whitney talking about spiritual disciplines. His book is called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, so pretty straightforward. As you just heard, when I asked Don what spiritual discipline is lacking most among young adult Christians today, he mentioned meditation. So to help all of us improve and discover the beauty and power of meditation, we've written a short article on what meditation is and how you can do it. It's releasing this week, so you can access that on our site. One of my favorite historical figures was Charles Spurgeon. If you haven't heard of him before, he was a very famous and popular pastor in England in the 1800s. He started when he was really young. In fact, this fall, just as a side note, we're doing a mini-series where we're looking at a few young adults in history that were extremely devoted to Jesus, and Spurgeon will be one of them. But anyways, listen to what Spurgeon says about meditation. He says a few really cool things. Firstly, meditation furnishes the mind with rest. It is the couch of the soul. He also says, The time that a man spends in necessary rest, he never reckons to be wasted because he is refreshing and renovating himself for further exertion. Meditation, then, is the rest of the spirit. And one more, he says, To the Christian, meditation is most essential. I should positively deny the well-being of a Christian who lives without habitual meditation. It's a pretty strong uh, quote at the very end. But anyways, hopefully you're encouraged by those words. Um, as we finish up today, I want to remind you that everything we do as a ministry costs us money. And we don't just do this audio program that's on the radio and online. We also have articles that we do every single week. We have newsfeed articles where if something kind of happens in the the world, we sort of write a theological reflection on it. And we also do Bible studies and video projects and things like that. So all of this stuff costs us money, but we give it away for free. 
You know, this means that the money it takes to do everything we do is generously donated to us by people who believe in this mission. And maybe that's you. Um, sometimes we think that people who donate to ministries have, you know, tons of money, but that's just not the case. Many people give small amounts based off their convictions, and that really does supply a huge portion of this ministry work. So whether you're giving $5 or 500000 it doesn't really matter. It all matters. Um, if this interests you at all, just click the donate button at indout.ca if you live in Canada or indout.com if you live in the States. If you want to connect with us throughout the week, we would love that. We are on Facebook, Twitter, all all the regular kind of social media networks. Just search In Doubt and you can message us on there. And don't forget to subscribe to In Doubt on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast apps and also to rate and review us. Well, that wraps up In Doubt. I'm Isaac. And next week we chat with the Christian singer-songwriter Sandra McCracken on art, music, and the first step in creating. InDoubt Ministries exist to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indo.ca if you live in Canada and indo.com if you live in the U.S.